Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Exciting episode of the Rising Champions podcast here, Kyle Bogie, Dr. Jason Novetsky of the Champion Mindset Group, and a great conversation that you're going to hear on this week's episode, and it's with someone who briefly lived here uh, in the Detroit area, but, you know, has gone on to greener pastures, uh, you know, grew up in Delaware, is now playing uh, junior hockey in the Texas area, and that is uh, goaltender Graham Burke. And Doc, I'll, I'll just, you know, say right out of the gate, I, I think people are going to like this conversation. He's just, uh, you know, a young man that, that gets it. I, I think he doesn't take himself too seriously, even though he takes his, his sport of choice very seriously. <laughs> oh, that's really well said. I think you're right. He's a, he's a great individual, uh, a nice young man that I was fortunate enough to be introduced to uh, through some mutual people that we both know and uh, had the great opportunity to work with Graham uh, in person, using Zoom through COVID. You know, we touched base a lot during the, the lockdown here in Michigan as he was uh, going through the process of getting into junior hockey. And man, some of the stories he's going to tell us in this interview are just really funny. And I think uh, our listeners will really appreciate it. Well, we'll go ahead and start there. And, and by the way, we really do appreciate, uh, you know, everyone that's listened up until, you know, this point uh, to the Rising Champions podcast, downloading, subscribing, sharing. Um, please get, continue giving us feedback, uh, you know, and certainly if you're a parent, um, you know, a student athlete, uh, a relative, a friend, and, uh, you know, you know somebody, uh, a young Rising Champion that, you know, could potentially use, you know, doc services, please, you know, feel free to reach out, uh, you know, and check out the website certainly find the champion mindset group uh, on social media and don't be afraid to send a, a message. But, um, you know, it's interesting that you bring up the, some of the stories that, that he brought up because in sports and, and being able to cover it over the years and, and being around it, you hear a lot. Uh, and I, I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, some of the on the court stuff or some of the post game press conferences, you hear it while, you know, players are out on the ice or the court or the field and fans will, give it to these athletes. And obviously there's a line and you want to make sure that you're not crossing that line, you know, to the point where it gets disgusting, offensive. You know, we, we certainly don't want to be unkind to each other, especially now, you know, here in 2020, we, we have bigger things to deal with, but I love getting the perspective of athletes, uh, you know, who hear the heckling and not just hear it, but doc embrace it, laugh yeah. at it and, and use it to gain an advantage and, and play better and try to shut them up. Yeah, I think, you know, Graham took a real healthy perspective on being involved and being the target of some of those heckles and uh, <laughs> some choice words that he told us on and off the air as well. Uh, so I think that's going to be very exciting for our listeners to hear. Um, I just love the idea that he knows also what he loves about playing hockey. And I think that was a great part of our conversation about knowing what you truly love to do. And he loves being on the road. He loves the game of hockey. He loves all those things. Uh, I personally, you know, I think that's an important question that, that all athletes that are listening need to consider is why do you play and what do you love about your sport? Because there's going to be some dark days out there where it's not going to be all fun and joy and sh sunshine and rainbows. You've got to know what your purpose is and what you truly love about the game. And, and the love part can be something really fun. Like, you know, what are those sights, sounds, and smells that, 
that you love about playing your sport. Like personally, when I was a pitcher, there was nothing better than the sound of a swing and a miss and a pop of the leather. Because I mean, I, I just beat you. Be I'm careful though. In break. baseball, don't celebrate too much, okay? People well, will get mad at you if you flip yeah. a bat or you, you know, you swear as you're walking to the dugout. Be careful. Yeah, it's all inside. I'm kidding. But, yeah. but that was a, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. And you know, little things like that, like you know, the way the field looks after it was dragged, and the feel of a brand new ball in your hand. And I've heard hockey players say things like, "They every rink has its own distinct smell." And they, they love that about different hockey rinks or the sound of the Zamboni getting ready to go because that means it's time to play. You know, that kind of triggers those, those nerves and those emotions. So I think it's cool stuff. Personally, I think every hockey rink smells like a, a freshly worn hockey glove. Um, Ooh, and, and, and they're very cold. <laughs> uh, I will certainly say that. But it's interesting that you bring that up because, I, I mean, I've been asked this a million times over the last several years, especially since uh, Little Caesars Arena was ultimately built and now the Red Wings are playing there and Pistons obviously are there as well. Mm-hmm. And their Joe Louis Arena was not a great arena. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. Like, it was built very quickly. It was built just to get them there, and that was it. And, and maybe it was just the success that they had. I don't know. But to me, I think the event staff – uh, I think Olympia Entertainment, I think the Illiches, and obviously the teams created this incredible environment where you walked into the Joe, and I'm sure some people will say the distinct smell was stale beer and peanuts, which is fine. I mean, I, I totally get that, but there was there was just something about it. The, the music perfectly hit your ears, you know, as they were warming up, and some of the songs that they, you know, played throughout the game, it just the the, bu- the buzzer, you know, as they scored mm. a goal or whatever it was. Those things just kind of speak to you. And, you know, I, I got to believe that if you did go back and ask some of those wing players, they probably have an unbelievable appreciation for the Joe and for what, how they created that atmosphere in a seemingly terrible arena. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all well said. I, I think the only thing I would add is the, the last minute of the game in this period with Sid Abel's, you know, byline and everybody knew it. And it just it get chills just thinking about it. Really was. Well, speaking of chills, um, you know, just to totally switch the subject for a second here, because uh, we want to get to Graham uh, and the conversation that we have with him here on the uh, Rising Champions podcast. But the Masters obviously getting underway tomorrow and going to have a different feel because mm-hmm. there isn't going to be a bunch of uh, patrons. Want to make sure we get that right. That's right. Uh, patrons out there on the, uh, the golf course, but it's still going to be special. And the, the cool thing that I've seen on social, and I, I know you have some thoughts on this, is whether it's Phil Mickelson, whether it's Kevin Kisner, um, you know, several other players, they look like kids driving up, uh, you know, Magnolia Drive, I, I believe. Magnolia Lane. Magnolia Lane, excuse me, <laughs> the Masters in Augusta very <laughs> particular. But that drive, they're, they're posting that on their social media. They're posting photos of them on the green and practice rounds. You can tell it's just so special to all of these guys who have played all over the world for many years, have had great experiences, but the Masters, Augusta, even in November, there's just a spark. It's got to be golf heaven. Someday I want to get there. But I've read a lot of books. I've listened to a lot of interviews. And, I, and it must be a special place. Seriously. I, I can't wait to watch. I won't be doing much. I mean, obviously, I'll be working. But uh, I'll have it on, on the TV here in the office or potentially at home throughout the weekend. So it uh, should be yeah. a good experience for us. And obviously, we'll see if Tiger Woods can defend his, uh, his title from last year. exciting. 
So should be fun. All right. Uh, without further ado, let's get to uh, Graham Burke, uh, a goaltender in uh, junior hockey. And I think a young man who just gets it on so many different levels. So uh, let's go ahead and get to Grant. Okay, so Graham, I, I, I got to start off with this question, okay? And this is something that, you know, I, I feel like I could ask every single goaltender, every single, you know, hockey goalie, soccer goalie, potentially, I guess, if you want to compare it to that. Um, do you have to be a little bit insane to get in front of a really hardly hit puck uh, every single night and take like 30, 40, sometimes 50 shots on that? I mean, it's a good question. I don't know if you have to be insane, but there's probably something definitely a little loose up there uh, I mean, for you to have to do that. So, has, I don't mean to cut you off. Has there been a moment where, you know, a guy has an incredibly hard slap shot or, you know, you've just been getting peppered or something over and over again and you, you almost question, you know, the choosing to be a goaltender potentially uh, in hockey, especially at the level that you're at. I mean, it, it gets very difficult. Uh the answer is yes, and it happened very often. In fact, it happened today in practice. Really? I took, yeah, I took a couple shots up high and then one to the face, and that's just, you know, I don't know if it's ever a, a serious thought, but you're definitely in the back of your mind, like, why Why am I doing that, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have to be crazy, but like I said, definitely – Definitely something loose, for sure. Yeah, well, they always talk about on the NHL broadcast uh, that all the goalies have a screw loose, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, Graham, it's great to see you. Welcome to the Rising Champions podcast. We're excited to have you on and learn more about you and what your goals are and and the mental training and skills that you've been developing to help you have the success that you're experiencing right now. Uh, But I think it would be helpful to maybe give us a little history lesson on kind of your rise through the ranks, you know, cause you're not even from our parts in Michigan. No. You're, you're from Delaware. So tell us a little bit about, you know, when you start playing, what teams you played for your travels through Michigan and where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of from all over. Um, I started playing hockey when I was in Kentucky. I lived there for about 10 and a half years. Um, my dad was born and raised in Detroit. So that's my Michigan connection. And he played at Catholic Central. So he had me and my brother on skates when we were like two or three. Um, and so I started playing. We ended up moving to Kentucky for his job. Uh, started playing there, just house and A and double A for this program called the Northern Kentucky Norse. Uh, played there for a couple of years and then ended up my last year when we were still living in Kentucky. I played for the Queen City Steam and they played out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And so did that for a year and then we moved to Delaware and I ended up playing for a double A team called the Delaware Ducks. And then from the Ducks, I went to play for the Philadelphia Little Flyers out of Aston, PA, um, which is only a 15 minute car ride from my house in Delaware. So it's actually the closest rink to me. Um, And then from there, ended up coming out to Compuware and moving to Detroit to play there for a year, and that's when I met you, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then from Compuware, I'm now down here in uh, Texas playing for the Lone Star Promise. Awesome. Congratulations on that, because I know it was a big goal for you to play junior yeah. hockey. Oh, yeah. And, and what's the college situation, if you can remind me? So, basically, it's uh, for colleges, the vast majority of players are going to – be recruited out of juniors when you're around the 19, 20 uh, year year mm-hmm. old uh, range. Um, so talking to a couple schools, nothing cement yet, but hopefully soon I'll be trying to get committed here. So awesome. That's the goal. 
with, uh, with, with you bouncing around, obviously Kentucky and Cincinnati, not too far apart, but you know, I'm assuming you had to leave high school and leave your high school friends and go off and, and, and play hockey or no. So okay. one of my uh, parents, big thing was they wanted me. So I went to a, a private, like all boys Catholic high school that was really good education. So my parents' big thing was I wasn't allowed to move away from home until I graduate from there. So, I mean, I, I moved – when I was moved to Delaware, I was only in seventh grade. So, I did seventh, eighth grade, and then all of high school. And then, like, all right, you can go. <laughs> Get out. So, <laughs> I graduated there, which they were super stoked about. And then, after that, moved out to Detroit and then now down here in Texas. So, so you were a little bit more prepared to go, you know, to, to that next level. I know there's some kids who leave at 15, 16, whatever it might be, go play oh, yeah. elsewhere. And, you know, there, there can be – I mean, mentally, that's a lot, you know, for, you know, a kid yeah. that age. So you, I'm assuming, felt a little bit more prepared at that point to go play at the next level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely more just kind of mentally developed, like you were kind of insinuating there. And, you know, just, I mean, helping or what helped a lot was when I did hook up with Jason there. And that brought my whole game mentally just 10 steps better. But, uh, yeah, definitely being a little older, a little bit more mature, definitely helped in the long run for sure. So I, I think this is an interesting question for you. And I don't think I've asked it before of anybody, you know, you're at a high level hockey right now. It's the NAL at the North American hockey league. It's one of the top tier junior hockey program, hockey leagues in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so think back, when did you know you were good? Uh, I mean, that's a really good question. I don't really know if there is an exact moment, I mean, you know, like I'm a big believer in, in having self-belief and I, you know, you kind of always believe you're good. And it's, I think that belief comes through just like a lot of hard work and through that hard work, you get success. And then when you start having success, that's when you kind of in your head are like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good, good goalie, pretty good hockey player. Um, I, I always think like, you know, through my playing days and up to college baseball, there was a point like I can remember in high school where it was like, all right, you know, there's something going on here. Yeah. Like, I've got something a little bit special. I don't know what it is. I'm grateful for it, but there's something going on here. Yeah. I mean, like I, I've definitely had those moments, especially where like some of my coaches have been like, you know, taking me in for one-on-one -on -one meetings and be like, you're you're a very good goalie. Like you have a, a bright future and not saying that, you know, I'm the best goalie ever that I'm great good now. I mean, I'm, I have a lot to improve on a lot to get better to reach my goals and aspirations to get where I want to be. But I mean, just kind of them backing you up as well as, and teammates just kind of coming up to me like, you know, you're, you're pretty good. Helps <laughs> you a lot, you know, and just, that's kind of when you, you realize that you are, you do have some sort of talent, some sort of, skill that can be that can get you to some higher levels mm -hmm. you uh you hear in sports a lot you're you're only as good as your last game you're only as good as your last performance whatever it might be so i guess kind of going off of uh you know doc's point there as a goalie you know you're, you're going to give up goals you know and right. and you're the last line of defense and if something happens i mean whether it was a bad defensive play, it's still going to be on your stat, you know, sheet there at the end of the game that you gave up one goal or two goals on so many shots. So I guess giving up a goal, two goals, do you almost have to 
talk yourself, you know, out of like, you want to take ownership for giving up a goal, certainly, but do you almost have to just say, Hey, you know, it, it happens, got to move on from it immediately and, and stay in the game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. You kind of just have to push it behind you. I mean, it, it takes a lot of practice and work for getting to that moment because especially when I was younger and not as mentally strong, uh, goals really bothered me. And I mean, they still do. I hate getting scored on and always will, but, uh, yeah, you just kind of have to, you know, I write a lot of like mental notes on my blocker for like, after you let up goals and stuff and just kind of, like you said, goals are going to happen. Like stuff happens. You like, you want to take ownership. I, I'm a big believer in taking ownership. You know, you got to have do your job. You got to do, I mean, I'm out there to stop the puck. So the puck's going in, that's still on me to some degree. Um, but you just kind of have to understand and realize even the best goalies obviously let up goals. I mean, you're, it's, you're never going to go get a shutout every game. So you just have to understand that and kind of give yourself goals to kind of work towards in the game. And, you know, you let up one, then just tighten your grip and, you know, make sure that you don't give up another one and just kind of keep working, not get too high, not get too low. Something that me and Jason talk about a lot and the, you know, you let up a goal and yeah, it sucks, but you got to still do your job for the rest of the game and kind of focus on the next shot and, you know, go out there and play for your team still. Yeah. You know, we talk about all the time. You got to learn from it and move on. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So with that in mind, Graham, um, you mentioned some things that, you know, you're still working on things you need to get better at. What, what are those things maybe from the mental standpoint that you feel like, you know what, you're doing well, but you're not there yet and you still need to work on certain aspects of the game. Uh, so like mentally or yes. Okay. So mentally definitely just kind of maintain focus throughout the game. I know you give me tips for kind of, when you lose train of thought, you give me a lot of tips for how to refocus yourself and mm -hmm. stay in the present is a big term that we talk about a lot. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing mentally is being able to just understand that things are going to pop in your head during the game. It's 60 minutes. You're not going to be a hundred percent dialed uh, the whole time, but just being able, and it truly is a skill to be able to just, push it out of your mind and get back into the, back into the present, back into the moment. Um, so that's one big thing mentally. I mean, I, I can still get better for sure at even letting up after letting up goals is pushing out sometimes, especially yeah. if it's a bad goal and like, you know, it's on me. Sometimes it's like, Oh, you know, still in my head about it. So I definitely get better on that. Um, and just kind of being, I think being consistent is also a big, mindset or a big like mental um i don't know how to phrase that but being consistent to me is is big on the mental aspect because you have to be in a certain mindset throughout the whole game throughout the whole week throughout the whole season to be consistent and to be like always on the top of your game so just kind of being able to like you were talking about if you have one bad game just being able to mentally reset and just get back out there and just being able to push through the ups and downs because there's going to be ebbs and flows of the season. Yeah. So just being a little bit mentally stronger in that aspect as well. Well, not only with the season, but you know, there's ebbs and flows in a 60 minute, you know, hockey game. So 
you know, I'm sure some people out there can relate, you know, because we have a bunch of Zoom calls every single day, whether you're working, whether you're in college, you know, in school, you're probably kind of just droning, you know, out a little bit or zoning out, I should say, um, from time to time, we are on a Zoom call, and then all of a sudden, it goes back to you, and it's like, wait, uh, what did you say? Yeah. You know, you're like scrambling. So in hockey, as a goalie, I got to believe it's kind of the same thing. Like, do you do you have to hone in on everything going in or going on down on the other end? Or are you, do you try to give yourself tiny little almost mental breaks so it's not so stressful the entire time? Yeah. So, I mean, it might sound weird, but uh, one of the big things that I do is I listen to like pop music before games to try to get songs stuck in my head. So that when the play's at the other end, I just Any like, examples? Uh, the one that I listen, no, the one that I listen to right now before I go out on the ice is If I Ain't Got You by Alicia Keys. Nice. Great I, song. Great before, song. Before every basketball game I played, I have no idea why to this day I listen to Stevie Wonder's Superstition. Great huh? song. No idea why. Yeah, Absolutely no idea, but it just, it just calmed me down a little yeah. bit. So I like, I'll do that. And my, my thing is like when it's past the red line and the other end, I'm Obviously, I'm watching the play to make sure they're not coming down, but I'm, you're not, like, zoned in on the puck at that point. You're kind of just watching what's going on, and that's when, you know, I'll just kind of sing in my head or something like that so that I'm not overthinking because that's a big thing that I can tend to do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll either, like, listen to some pop songs or I know, like, this year when the NA, they'll have uh, just songs in between, like, whistles that they play over the loudspeaker, so I'll just keep singing those songs if I like them. <laughs> Just kind of, like you said, give yourself a mental break while they're down there. And then once they pass the red line with possession, that's when I touch my post, get out and get focused and zoned in on the puck. Yeah, I love that because, you know, listening to music or, or on songs on repeat is actually not an uncommon strategy. It's mm-hmm. actually been researched. So to re-listen over and over to a song uh, keeps you in the moment, actually, oh, yeah. because you can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you're singing the same song over and over, you're in the moment. Yeah, and, for then, sure. and then and your trigger is, hey, when that puck starts approaching that red line, tap, tap on the post, and here we go. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to get mentally prepared for the next rush down the ice. So, Graham, I think we have a lot of young hockey players that listen to the podcast, and a lot of my current clients uh, are headed your way, so to speak. And I mm-hmm. think they would find it really interesting to hear your perspective on kind of the daily grind of being a junior hockey player. And what's that like, you know, because it's not all glamour and glitz, right? I mean, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, so obviously I'm still fairly new to it as well. I mean, I've only been down here for about a month and a half, I think, but uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough on the body for sure. And mentally as well. I mean, I know I've heard some stories that from like other kids that I know in the league who their, their practices aren't as intense as ours. And, our, uh, my head coach, Dan Wadfong, is a great coach, but he's, he loves getting work done and doing hard work. So, I mean, we practice for about two and a half to three hours every day. So I, I usually show up to the rink at eight, get in there, usually have like our doc stretch me out or just do some stretching on my own, usually on the ice at 9.30. Um, and then we don't get off till about 11.45, 12.30. And then after that, we either have about an hour and a half of video or a workout, something like that. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty intense and it's, you have long, hard days and your body is definitely sore a lot, but just kind of the thing we talk about down here is you just have to enjoy the process and kind of 
go in. I mean, me, I, I love hockey so much. I just love being at the rink. So that every day is a great day when I go into practice because you're just doing what you love. And so I, that's kind of where I find my, my joy through it all. Cause there, there are some days where you're like, wow, like I just don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to practice. I'm going to follow up on that because you mentioned something that comes up a lot when I do talks and when I talk to my athletes is what do you love about this game? And, and what I mean by that are what are those sights, sounds, smells, feelings that you love about this game? Because I think that's really important to remember those things mm-hmm. because like you said, there's going to be hard, long, tough days where it's not quote fun yeah. and it's work, but you got to remember what you love about your sport or your performance. So oh, I'm yeah. curious, you know, what are those like idiosyncratic things that you really love about hockey? Uh, so I mean, I'm a big locker room guy. I just love being in the locker room with my teammates. Uh, I just love talking to them, all that stuff. And then just being out on the ice, obviously, as a goalie, I love big saves. So get two or three of those in practice. That always makes you feel good. And just kind of the, the fact that I'm not really – I'm obviously not in college, so I'm just waking up and playing hockey every day. So just going, being able to go to the rink and not have the stress of everything else that – kids my age are dealing with like classes tests all that i just kind of when i'm like days are rough just being able to take a step back and be like look i really have no no stress compared to everyone else in this world so just that and then just the the fact that my mindset also is is get one percent better every day Mm. so i love that aspect where even if it's a hard day i can still get off the ice and like look like I, i got better today regardless of what happened. And that, that also brings me joy and makes me happy at the end of the day, even if it was a hard day. Great answer. Listening, uh, you know, to you talk just now, I am reminded of my, I don't know, early twenties. I was covering uh, Michigan hockey a little bit at Yost arena and they would not be kind to the opposing goaltenders, you know, that were out there. It would be constantly sieve, 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 and point you out, and the student section would be right around the net for the first and third periods. They made sure to do that for the first and third period. So I, I guess for you, you kind of strike me as a guy that would appreciate more maybe the road atmosphere as opposed to the encouraging home atmosphere. Yeah, I'm getting I, that right. Yeah, <laughs> It's funny that you brought that up because I love playing on the road. I love <laughs> I love being taunted because like for me, I think I play better when I'm getting like chirped and stuff like that. Cause in my mind, I'm like, wow, like I can't let them get the upper hand. So I got to play like even better so that they don't chirp me more. But I think like, I think those are like, I've been to many college games. Uh, I know when I was living in Kentucky, Miami of Ohio was our like closest division one college and they did the same thing. All the civ stuff, all that. So, I mean, I remember growing up watching those games. I thought it was awesome. I wanted to be the opposing goalie at those games. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, that's probably where my screws loose to be a goalie. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and we're like, tying it all back together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, I know in, in high school, we like high school hockey in Delaware is not a huge deal, but I mean, we get some fans and I know like for some games specifically that uh, stick out to me are, uh, first game of junior year, we played Perkium and Valley and they had like 200 kids in the student section. One of my best games in, of high school. Cause I was just getting chirped the whole time. We ended up winning five, nothing. Uh, so it was a good game. And then also 
uh, my senior year, we played Westchester East. It was their senior night. They had like 300 kids in their student section. It, that was probably my best game of high school hockey ever because I, they outshot us, I think, 64 to 12. And they beat us two to one. And it was, that was nuts. But yeah, nice. for some reason, I love playing in front of opposing like student sections or fans. So I'm going to put you on the spot yeah. about that experience, uh, those experiences you've had. I'm sure there's been a moment where somebody chirped at you and you're like, that was a pretty good one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Keep it clean, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what was going to be my question. <laughs> there are some pretty funny ones that I can tell you off the record. But uh, the, the gist of it is a lot of it was about my mother, mm. who was at the games, and she – We've talked about it. She thought it was hilarious. But uh, they, they come after my mother a lot, which was pretty funny. That is high school, you know, just, you know, Burke's mom this, Burke's mom that. But, uh, yeah, I, I've gotten some good chuckles. They've been, okay. been some funny ones for sure. I'll bet. I'll bet. So, I, I guess almost contrary then to, you know, you wanting to play on the road, you wanting to be heckled a little bit, time's obviously a little bit different now. It, is it – uh, that much harder to be engaged, you know, for 60 minutes with, you know, crowd limited or not there at all, or, you know, I mean, not really. I mean, for, I know we, we have only had two road games so far this season mm-hmm. and we played at Amarillo who they, I mean, they're, I think it's 50% capacity right now, but I mean, they still had about oh wow say 900 fans, thousand fans, something like that. So, they were, they were definitely in my ear a little bit, which I liked. <laughs> and I mean, even growing up in youth hockey, like there weren't fans there just for like youth games. But I mean, just, just the idea of being at someone's house, you know, going into their arena, that just kind of makes me want to play even better because I want to go in there and be able to beat them. So that, I mean, that kind of, whenever we play road games here, I don't know what every team situation is with fans. So if there are no fans there, I mean, I, it's still just kind of – I get amped up to go into someone else's rink and play them. There, now, there's got to be a fine line between paying attention too much to what the fans are saying and staying oh. focused in the game. How yeah. do you manage that? Um, just kind of – I think it's big on just not taking them, like, seriously. And I really – I'm only listening when the puck's not in my end hmm. because for some reason it, when, you, when the puck's in my end, it, noise isn't really a thing. It's like weird to just kind of black everything out except for the puck. Um, but I mean, just kind of, I really only, I don't like intentionally listen to it, but it, you know, every it's once there. in a while you'll hear something like, Oh, that's funny. But you know, it, I, I don't know. I don't, I try not to read into it too much or try to, like you're saying, overly over listen. And I, I don't know, but nothing crazy. Okay. I, don't, I don't really get mixed up in it too much so uh, i guess for you you know and this this might be a loaded question uh, i suppose for uh, you know a young man out there with uh, you know his whole life ahead of him but goals i guess moving forward on and then you know obviously off the ice potentially that that you you know think are attainable and that you really want to hone in on yeah i mean uh, my main goal right now is just to play division one college which uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to attain. I, I truly do believe I'll, I'll be able to attain. Um, so, I mean, I still have another, this whole season and then another season of eligibility before I have to go to college. So I, I'm, I believe I'll be able to get a commitment by then. And then 
you know, my, my main goal for that is just not having to pay for college, not have any student debt, which my parents would be thrilled about. That's so, a huge advantage. Let me tell you, that'd be yeah. great. You should do that. And I, you know, that'd be a great way to start repaying my parents back for everything they've done for me in hockey to be able to tell them to take my college fund and, you know, go do whatever they want with it. And just the fact that they don't have the burden of paying for college. And then from there, just kind of, I want, you know, obviously like every other kid, I want to play pro and just go as far in the game of hockey as I can. Real, real quick, you know, and I, I'm sorry, Doc, I don't mean to step okay. in, but I mean, you, you talk to a lot of, you know, kids, boys, girls, you know, whatever that play hockey, you know, growing up and, it is a serious commitment from a time standpoint, from a money standpoint. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I don't know if all kids have an understanding of that, but, you know, it's, it's good that you have a, a grasp of that. You know, not that your parents are necessarily looking for a yeah. repayment or anything, but I mean, did, did you have an understanding even at a, you know, a younger age of just like, wow, my parents are really going above and beyond and bending over backwards to, to make this work for me. Cause I, I want to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, probably by the time I was like 12 or 13 is when I kind of really understood how like financially, uh, or like how big a financial burden hockey is. And then on top of <clears throat> hockey being a goalie is like even worse <laughs> because equipment is not cheap. And so yeah, I'd say probably around that age is when I kind of got that understanding that my parents do a lot to sacrifice for me to be able to play hockey, not only, like you were saying, financially, but time-wise. Because, I mean, they every day, you know, they're driving all that and just they, they've sacrificed so much. So, yeah. Well, Graham, this has been awesome. Great conversation. Uh, really good insight into the mind of a goalie uh, playing at a high level and some funny stories there as well. So, we really yeah. appreciate you being on the, the podcast tonight and uh, look forward to continuing watching your success. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Graham. Yep, no problem. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.